How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the NHL Playoffs on the Third Line Plug, SensCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, now you might have noticed there that I didn't say joining me from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta. Do you mind to share with the listeners where you are calling from this evening? Just outside of Langford. Which means you are back on Vancouver Island, and... It's nice to see that you brought the heat with his. Oh, come on. Even Alberta's not this hot normally. Okay, can, can we talk... I, I go to Los Angeles once, and it's just like, and it, this is what I get for it. <laughs> okay, can we talk for a minute just how stupid hot it is right now here on Vancouver Island? Because I've been, I'm born and raised here on the island. I don't think I've ever seen it this hot. Like, currently, it's just... Like, 10 minutes after 6, it's 42 degrees Celsius right now outside. Yeah. I think it's still above 100 in uh, Langford, so... Because I remember the last time I was out in over 100 temperatures, it was in... Uh, yeah, when I went to Anime Expo, and my boot... The, the glue holding my boots together melted. Wow. That's... That's hot, man. So, Tim, we've got a great episode coming up tonight. We've got to talk about our third round recap and our Stanley Cup final predictions. Now, before we go any further, I do got to give a little bit of an update here because we were supposed to record the episode yesterday. However, there was a death in the family on my side. My grandmother ended up passing away yesterday. So, poor went out for her. She was a great lady. And... Yeah, it, it would have been tough if we were to record yesterday with everything going on, so I'm glad that we can get together today and record instead. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, everything kind of goes well on your end, and yeah, my condolences to the family. So Tim, you know, and you and I were talking about this before we hit record, breaking kayfabe, obviously, is that it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded, and I know that you're on Vancouver Island currently, so I've got to ask the question our listeners always love knowing. How has the last couple of weeks been going for you? It's been good, it's been good. Uh, I've never actually been to Kelowna before, so uh, we drove over, so we took the opportunity to stop there. Oh, excellent. How long, were, you just, uh, and... were you just passing by? Uh, yeah, just passing by, so we stopped the night in Kelowna, and uh, it was the night when, uh, Mon- spoilers, Montreal beat Vegas at Game 6 to steal off the series, and even with the COVID restrictions, I can see why people find Kelowna be- to be a fun town, because there's just like an atmosphere of people doing stuff. Yeah, and that's always uh, the, part of the... Well, it's, it's part of the Kootenays, right? Obviously, that yeah. part of BC is such a fun time with all the wineries and everything going on there. Yeah, and I guess I, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I kind of was to see that there was, like, new condos going up with minim- the smallest unit in the building going for a million dollars. That's crazy, man. Well, I know that we have some former NHLers and even some former Ottawa Senators that live out that way, too, so maybe that's why the prices are going up. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny because uh, we went to like uh, we went to a gastropub for dinner, and the fact that I can even say that sentence uh, is why I shouldn't be surprised. There's million dollar million dollar condos in Kelowna. So, just for the listeners that might not understand that, what is 
a gastro brewery. So a gastro brewery is basically an upscale restaurant slash bar that has kind of fusion or quote-unquote fancier-looking food, but it's still like a $20 plate. Plus, it ha- usually is tied to a brewery or in local craft beer instead of like your usual fare. Yeah, like a tap house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we got you something as well, so uh, look forward to it. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> spoilers. No, we call this expectations management. Ah, okay, that's the fun key buzzword we're going to be using for the day, Tim. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'll get a little bit of an update about what I've been up to the last couple of weeks. Now, for the summer, I am no longer in the kitchen for the next nine weeks or so. I decided to join the facilities crew at work because we are, and here's another fun buzzword, Tim, we are repurposing an old building and we're repurposing into a new administration office. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So how we've been doing that can is... Can you say that... what it was beforehand? Yes, I can, because what we are repurposing is an old gym. And so what we would... Oh, okay. So about a week or two ago, what we were doing is that we were pulling up the old gym floor, and that was like a four-day job, just pulling that whole gym apart. You know, you take the basketball hoops, you take the bleachers, the floor, everything. It was like a week job. Mm. Holy and shit. It, and it was ridiculous ridiculous how physically like how physical labor that was because again like i work in a kitchen not cooking obviously but what i do for a living does not require that much physicality and i was fine with it honestly and it was one of these jobs where you know i squatted down squatted back up to get the excuse me to get the floors out and yeah my arms were killing me like even the day when we finally got that floor finished because I live in the basement suite. I, coming upstairs, it felt like my legs were like 25 pounds each just trying to get up there. And I'm like, I'll get it up there. Don't worry. I got it. And I got to the top and I just sort of flopped onto the floor. Oh, jeez. But, like, imagine doing that for a living. You'd probably just... You'd probably be damn strong by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Or damn worn down, one of the two. 100%, man. I mean, I'm predicting by the end of the summer that my jeans will no longer fit me because honestly my legs will be that huge just for how physically I'm putting on my legs. Yeah. I'd be impressed to see Hulk mode Tay. Hulk mode Tay is good. You know, obviously there's no shirt ripping, anything like that. So I don't want to give you that kind of impression, Tim, but (laughs) I guess we can, we can unveil the big secret for our next week's episode, or for, I guess, I want to say next week's episode, but our next episode, which is going to be our Stanley Cup Finals Edition episode, because you're on the Vancouver, you're here on Vancouver Island, and you will be joining me in studio for that episode. Can we confirm that? I think we can confirm that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, you know, Tim, because we really haven't recorded an episode live in the same room in... When did About we, a year. Yeah, last summer? Yeah, it would have been August 3rd was the last time we did it. Yeah, that's been crazy, man. Like, even I was thinking about that today when when I knew you were on the island. I was like, I don't recall last time I recorded with Tim in the studio. I think I wanted to say when you are here for your birthday, but, again, 
2020 seems like such a long time ago that honestly, I don't even know. Honestly, I'm still yeah, in the mode well, that. Like, it, to me, it's still March it 2020. Still weird not coming home for Christmas that last year, eh? That's true, but I mean, you know what? You got to do. What you got to do. We got to be safe, and we got some good episodes out of that. So can't complain. Mm-hmm. And All one right. sorry, one final thing I got to talk about here, and given that it's so hot in the studio right now, I don't have any fans or anything going, which is why you can only hear me either probably flapping my shirt trying to keep cool. I, I just picked up this new <laughs> beer, Stanley Park Brewing. It's a, an electro lager. It's only four percent alcohol, but I actually I actually noticed this when I picked up the can. You know how with most beers, Tim. They don't have any of, like, the nutritional facts on there. They don't say how many calories, all that good stuff. I just noticed that, that this can has that. Maybe it came from the States? No, Stanley Park is Vancouver beer. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's from Vancouver. That's Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, it's a craft beer, I get that, but... I don't know. Maybe I'm going delirious by the heat. I'm just kind of surprised that I see that, to be honest with you. All the things you can mirage, you miraged. The, the nutrition label? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a very nice can, honestly. You get a nice city skyline of Vancouver. You get people in canoes and kayaks and stuff. And you got the mountains, so you can't really complain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's a... Oh, uh, I guess one last update before we get into the... Talking about the third round is... Uh, did you see the big story that hit the NHL uh, Wednesday, Thursday of last week? About the, with the Blackhawks? Yes. With the Blackhawks, yeah. Isn't that, that wild? It is wild, but I think it's more wild that there has been no official word at all from the NHL. Well, it's like, I don't even know if there's anything they can say at this point. And, uh, like, Batman and Dolly, I think, are... They're both, they're both lawyers, so like they definitely know when and where they can speak. Because if I understand this, the lawsuit is active, and uh, the video coach, he was convicted, right? So like, we know this as a fact happened. Yeah, I just think it's really shitty that the Blackhawks let this guy go on and coach a. What was that, a U-17 team in the States? Yeah. Like, if they knew. Well, I mean, we know that they knew. Yeah, honestly, it's it's weird. Like, this whole thing, even the last couple of weeks of hockey news with deaths and now with this happening, like, honestly, this could be its own episode. Really. Yeah, just weird news from the NHL. I know. And I just think it's weird for me. I One of the reasons I think that the NHL maybe didn't come out and talk about it is because they're so deep into the playoffs. And I'm sure it's probably a bullshit argument. But, again, I'm sure the NHL doesn't want anything to distract from the fact that the Stanley Cup Finals is going on now. Oh, for sure. Well, it's like that. I imagine there's probably a legal case to be made for them not talking right now. Because, like, yeah, the case is live. I don't know anything more. We don't know what the NHL knew. What's interesting, it's not even clear if, like, the AGMs knew. So, like, we don't know if, like, Sheveldayoff knew. We don't know if Fergus Vane knew. 
because like there's a lot of people who might have known and did nothing or actively covered it up or were prevented from doing something yeah honestly i that's the thing about the story i really just don't have any comments to make about it because i didn't i didn't go down the rabbit hole of reading the articles but i did read a little bit about it at the beginning and i was just like oh boy like if this turns out to be like if this goes to court and it turns out to be true that's a huge black eye again for the nhl well i would not be surprised if this never gets past uh or gets to the phase known as discovery right where both sides get to kind of go through each other's files and they can subpoena each other for information because it's so embarrassing i wouldn't be surprised if the blackhawks settle with the plaintiffs before that because remember this is a civil case so if the blackhawks just say hey we'll give you a check in exchange for you guys shutting up that could very well be the end of the trial and we'll never will be none the wiser as to what actually happened and like the blackhawks could do that even if there is no cover-up it might just not there may be other stuff that's embarrassing that could come up from discovery or it's just a huge distraction to go to discovery that they decide it's not worth the headache so tim before we get into talking about the playoffs and everything we need to talk about this evening we're going to take a really quick break and we will come back and we will talk about our third round recap slash stanley cup finals predictions coming right back hey this is canuck from the sens call-ups you're listening to the third line plug sens cast all right we are back now just a quick disclaimer for our listeners before we hit record i was just complaining to my co-host tim jensi i says man it's so hot in this fucking room right now that i'm legit in a pair of shorts and that's it that's all i have on i got a fan underneath the the desk right now to keep me cool because i am just sweating like a pig right now oh jeez. yeah yeah it's like we've got an air conditioning unit in the house i mean right we're record- i'm recording from and i'm still feeling the sweat kind of behind my knees and stuff oh see that that's the worst eh the back knee sweat well that's one of the reasons why i prefer shorts most of the time is at least the back knee sweat will it'll evaporate off Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So, Tim, I guess the only thing that could honestly be hotter is that third round of the 2021 NHL playoffs. So, let's dive headfirst into the playoffs. Now, let's quickly talk about the third round in general because, let's be honest. Did anybody, did anybody see Montreal getting this far? No. Like, even the Islanders, nobody expected the Islanders to go this far. Like, they were expected to be beat by the Pens. Montreal's expected to be beaten by Toronto. Like, Vegas and Tampa, I think, if you were to tell me, at the beginning of the playoffs, Vegas and Tampa Bay would be in the conference final or the third round, 100% I'd believe you. If you were to tell me that those two teams would play Montreal and the Islanders, I would say that you're high. And yet we got halfway there. Isn't that insane? It is. It is insane, man. But you know what? It's going to be insane for the next episode when we talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. Because, wow. Just wow. 
That's all, that's all I'm going to say. That's how we're going to put it. So let's jump into the third round of the playoffs. Starting with the second seed, Vegas Golden Knights versus the fourth seed, Montreal Canadiens. This is the first playoffs, pl first and only playoff series between the two teams. Now, Tim, you and I both picked the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. This series went six games. Montreal won it. I vaguely recall last episode me talking about how I had this weird sinking feeling that it was going to be Montreal, but there was no way that was going to happen and that it happened anyway. I know. And honestly, I am just at a loss for words to talk about Vegas now. Because I don't know how a team that has all that talent on it comes up so short. Well, I think there's two big storylines. One is that this is the carry price that everyone thought the world was getting. And to be frank, we did get for quite a few years when Montreal took him first overall. Second, Mark Stone disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny, I have Mark Stone in my notes. But the big storyline, Tim, that you fail to mention... The big turning point for this series, because if you watch the first two games, Vegas was totally in control. Even though they only won yeah. game one and Montreal won game two, the turning point for Montreal, without question, Mark andre Fleury's blunder in game three. Because that started the snowball effect from Vegas. Because in game four, they went with Leonard, and then they started flip-flopping back and forth on who's to play in goal. Yeah, and you can't be doing that in the playoffs. No. Because you really need to be riding a hot hand. It's true. And, you know, I can see Vegas's mindset of playing Robin Leonard because he's such a really good goalie. And he's legit probably the best backup in the league. That guy's a legit starter, and he's a backup. Although, to be fair to Vegas, uh, in that game three... Carey Price played a fantastic game with two goals. He saved two goals above average. Alex Tuck should have scored. Same with Pacioretty, but they just kept getting stoned. And Pacioretty had some beautiful, beautiful chances in that game. He totally did. And, but, you know, for the funny thing about Vegas is, you know, I, and we can shit on Mark Stone all we want, who really showed up for them in that series? Who was the guy that stepped up for them? When Nikolai Waugh was their best forward. Other than Petrangelo, Nikolai Waugh was their best player up front. He's the guy that came up big for them. Yeah. Well, I think Marshall Schull played pretty well as well. And poor Alex Tuck was... Uh, Carey Price had his number. Yeah, I guess you could say that Alex couldn't tuck at home. No. Although it's it's tough watching a it was tough watching that series because like Carey Price was making five alarm bell saves night in and night out. Hi. Like we're talking like crazy one timers, wraparound saves. You whatever Vegas was throwing at him, Carey Price was rising to the occasion. Without question. And Carey Price, once again, I mean, the guy stood on his head in this series, but 
for myself, when I watched Carey in this series, his job was made much easier by the fact that Montreal's three big young guns came through huge for Montreal in this series. Yeah, like, as much as we're talking about the insane amount of talent on uh, the Golden Knights, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield were fantastic. And honestly, they were they were insane. And honestly, and in game the game six hero, Kerry Lettinen had a fantastic game too. Oh, you mean uh Kota Kekanemi? Sorry, Kota Kekanemi was fantastic. So was a Lekanen. Like there was a lot of Montreal players that did play very well and how good is that Tyler Toffoli pickup looked for Montreal? You know what's funny, Tim? If you go back and listen to our season preview show with Chris, that's one of the things I said. I said, I love that pickup for Montreal because he's going from a system in L.A. where they were a very physical team. They didn't really rely on speed. He goes to Montreal. And really, there's not too many places Tyler Toffoli could have gone to, and he fits like a glove, like in Montreal. The only place I could think of where he would have fit as well as if Vancouver had a way to keep him. Yeah, or maybe even if, say, Colorado went after him, but I don't think he, they could have done it be with their cap. Yeah, and no, but uh, Tyler Toffoli has been fantastic on, and he was really good again this series. He was. And one thing that was not good in this series was the officiating, and uh, it is a bit of karma that Vegas lost this series because they were getting away with a lot. And the worst that I the worst I can think of is the McNabb punch. Yeah, that's a punch that honestly that's a deliberate that should have been a deliberate penalty right there. And I understand either for roughing I wouldn't even I No, you can't even say unsportsmanlike conduct. That's definitely a roughing penalty, but the fact is he just stood there, the guy took a swing at him and there was nothing. I understand in the playoffs that you. I'm actually a little. Su- like and here's the thing, Tim. I get in the playoffs. You come back and issue a fine. Yeah, true, but I get it in the playoffs where you really, you you kind of want to let stuff go. You kind of just want to let the play happen. But yeah, it could have been a fine. I totally agree with you on that. Well, it, sh- it definitely should have been a penalty because, as much as uh, you you like to let him play, manage the game, whatever. It can't be letting people punch each other in the face. Because that's going to lead to worse outcomes. And uh, I am honestly surprised that nothing came of it from Montreal turning up the heat and retaliating. And uh, honestly, kudos to them. And it is a little surprising that the Montreal team does tend to play fairly clean, despite being a team that has Corey Perry on it. That's true. And I guess when talking about Corey Perry, I can't recall off the top of my head which game it was. I think he had broke his nose or something, and he came back for the post-game, and he's high-fiving guys off the ice with a broken nose. <laughs> that actually cut. That's pretty cool. And this is another thing that I've actually... I do have to give the Habs props for. Is their deadline pickups have actually been working out pretty okay, too. 
like Eric Gustafson, they've been able to slot in and out as they need him, and uh, Eric Stahl has finally taken. Yeah, because he looked and terrible. Been a, oh yeah, during the regular season he was awful, but he's kind of become he's kind of gelled into the defensive zone. Yeah, but you know what? It's one of these things where you love to see the playoff warriors, like the Corey Perrys, and guys who have that experience. Because that's the one thing I think a lot of people slept on Montreal, is that you look at their roster, look at the players that they have. You know, you have Joel Edmondson, you have Tyler DeFoley, you have, Sh- not well, Sh- not Sh- Weber, um, Perry, Stahl, guys who've won the Stanley Cup. And now you're, you're bringing that into a culture where... You have guys like Suzuki, Caulfield. You add Shea Weber. You add Carey Price. There's not really any glaring holes on that team right now. Oh, the only tough thing for them is they they are going into a buzzsaw. True. But then again, we thought that about Vegas, too. Yeah. So, I guess... Although, to be fair, yeah. this is the buzzsaw that won the Stanley Cup last year. That is Not true. the buzzsaw that had troubles putting away Vancouver. Very true. Very true. So I guess there's a couple of players I do want to talk about. Obviously, we've mentioned Suzuki and Caulfield. I do want to quickly talk about Cole Caulfield because that kid was just lights out in this series. Four goals and one assist. But I think the best part for me, and I know they mentioned this on our last episode about Arizona Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt because he was always pumping Caulfield's tires to get him into the lineup. And then I can't remember, it might have been game six, he scored a goal and he just tweeted out a gif of Cole Caulfield that just said, well, well, well. (laughs) And so this is actually an interesting thing about uh, this series is Dominic Ducharme missed a lot of time behind the bench due to uh, COVID protocol. And Former Ottawa Senators coach, oh, sorry, former Binghamton Senators coach Luke Richardson comes in and all of a sudden he sees Suzuki and Caulfield's time go up. Yeah. And uh, they seem to have really taken to that as well. As much as I hate to say it, I think Montreal is going to, if Montreal kind of keeps pace from here, especially with Caulfield and Suzuki continuing to grow, they're going to be a tough out in the Atlantic for us next year. They are. And you know what? I, I've always said I always liked Ottawa's rivalry with Montreal because it wasn't like the Battle of Ontario between the Us and the Leafs where, you know, you you hate the Leafs so much you want to see them lose. With the Habs, and I think it's because maybe because I've had a pretty decent relationship with Habs fans whenever I've talked to them, but also Montreal and Ottawa are really, really good hockey when they play together. Oh, yeah. The last two series that we played against the Habs have been good hockey. I couldn't even imagine, like, a good playoff series involving Toronto right now. Unless that we were in Montreal's position, down 3-1, and we come back to beat them in the seventh game. Well, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs are such a joke at this point that I just can't imagine them seriously. I mean, honestly, in here, everybody thought that us coming back from a 5-1 deficit was a fluke. Montreal did that in multiple... Well, Montreal did 
came back from a 3-1 series deficit. This is a team that lost to its Zamboni driver. So, you know, Tim, we spent all this time talking about Montreal, but let's turn our attention to Vegas because we've already mentioned Alex Petrangelo, three goals and one assist. I, I thought he actually had a much better series than he played versus Colorado. The big person for me, we need to talk about Mark Stone. This guy had a terrible, terrible series, completely visible. He had zero points. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had maybe five shots in six games. Yeah, like, he went from being, having one of the best playoff series ever in that series against Colorado, like, absurdly dominant, to completely invisible. So, I think for Mark Stone, I'm going to write this one off as a fluke because we've we seen what he can do at the highest level against some of the toughest competition around. Mm-hmm. it's just so weird that he disappeared and we haven't heard anything about an injury yeah I know and I was going to mention that too so like, like, we I, haven't heard anything yet yeah so I think I think it's fair to write this one off as a fluke but I think this is the second time in as many years that Vegas gets to the third round and then just it kind of all falls apart yeah, because I'm trying to think, when when was the last time they did that? Because uh, they lost to Dallas last year. Same, and then the year was before it? was the infamous uh, five-minute penalty game against the Sharks. And then the year before that, they went to the cup final. Right, 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 okay. Because this team is... It reminds me a lot of the old Sharks teams that were really good, they they do well in the playoffs up until, like, there'd be a game in there where, like, something would happen, and then it just all, fall, all fell apart. It wouldn't be, like... Like, it would be something weird, like, uh, when BX scored, scored a goal, scored the overtime winner to put the Canucks to, I think, either into the finals or just into a demanding, commanding series lead lead where it was just a weird ass bounce off a stanchion it's like stuff like that and it almost seems like peter debeer is cursed yeah because it's like this is this is the vibes i'm getting from the vegas team is this is an incredibly dominant team in the regular season plays well through the playoffs and then just something happens and it just kind of tilts the team gets a bit tilted and just they can't seem to get it back after that something happens. And the something this time, like, you pick the Fleury Bobble as the candidate, Mark Stone's, dis- the captain disappearing would be my my vote. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Mark Stone played a fine game one. And then after that, nothing. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on this series before we head off into the Tampa Bay New York Islander series? Nothing too much. It was honestly just good hockey. It like, was. despite what we've been saying about Vegas, these games were legitimately exciting to watch. I think Vegas still played well. Montreal with multiple overtime hero situations was just, they just came out on top. And I think Montre- Montreal definitely, it's not like they didn't deserve to win this series, 
they they did. They earned this win. They were just better in overtime. Yeah, they were better, and uh, Carey Price was phenomenal. I think for me, the last comment I want to make on this series has to do after Game Six when Montreal won to go to the finals, and the Hab fans rioted. I just, of course, they did. Why? I, I, I'm sorry, maybe because, like, Ottawa doesn't riot when we, back in 2017, we went to the playoffs and we were one win away from the finals. Because, honestly, what was the rowdiest we ever got? The rowdiest we got were dancing at, at red lights. Yeah, because I remember uh, when we went to the Stanley Cup final in 07, it was a pretty low-key affair as well. It's true. I think for... But I then think... again, it's... Yeah, I think all of them were. I think all four was. There's an element that we're missing because, like, I think uh, in the Montreal Canadiens fandom, you have definitely have that element of uh, European soccer fandom. Oh yes, very much so. Which does tend to manif, which does more often than not manifest itself in rioting. Very true. So, Tim. Let's move on to the second series of the third round. The number one seed, Tampa Bay Lightning, versus the fourth seed, New York Islanders. This is the second straight third round matchup between these two teams. I chose the New York Islanders in six games for a hot take. Tim, you took Tampa Bay in five games. Tampa Bay ended up winning it in seven. Now, before we go on and talk about Tampa Bay and some of their players... I gotta talk quickly about the New York Islanders. You've got to give this team the uttermost respect for this series. You're talking about a team that was so oh, yeah. grossly inferior to Tampa Bay. They for they forced seven games with them. They only got blown out once, which was game five, where they lost eight to nothing. For a team that was not expected to go far. The fact is, the New York Islanders were a team I honestly pushed for a Stanley Cup Finals appearance. Because that would have been the cherry on top. And the thing is, for the Islanders, they could have gotten swept. And I still would have been so proud of, of the Islanders to see how far they come in the last couple of years. Mm. And this is going to be my hot take. The Islanders could have taken this series. There were games that Tampa won where the Islanders were the better team. But Vasileski was in the zone. This Islanders team, like, game one where they, where they won, they played, they basically played Tampa to a dead even heat. Three expected goals for each side. No one really dominated on either side except for, like, well, Anthony Bolivier and Josh Bailey had fantastic games. And it uh, just happened that Braden Point tucked the winner home. But that game one was the Islanders lost. But it was interesting to watch because you could see that this was up-tempo but defensive hockey. And I think that's what I like about watching the Islanders. They play a very aggressive forecheck that everyone's cycling, everyone's hounding that puck, and they will get it back. Like, they don't... The only thing I think that's kind of killing the 
the Islanders is they just don't have that finishing talent. No, they don't. And honestly, and that's something that I noticed too when I was I didn't I know keep in mind I only watched the seventh game, but I did condense watch those games. And you're right because you know you have a guy like Matt Barzell who can prove that he can put it in the back of the net, but his skill is definitely more of a playmaker. And imagine if he and I'm not saying Jordan Everly is not a great player, but imagine if he had you know a Kucherov, a Taylor Hall, guys like that who could put the puck in the net. Just imagine that for a second. Matt Barzell, if he had a legit sniper on the island. It'd be scary, yeah. But, like, even then, Islanders hockey is, it's very good. And even in that last, that last game, that one one nothing Tampa victory, like, they basically for, forced Tampa to kind of play their game. Like, Tampa played it really well, but neither team scored an even strength goal today like isn't that insane it is i think the only thing that's even more insane is the fact that the top seven scores in the playoffs right now all play for tampa bay like i i've been watching hockey my entire life i don't think this has ever happened off the top of my head no and this tampa team is they are very strong and yeah, there's games where they got away from the Islanders' defense a bit, but... Yeah, like they, that seventh game. They are very strong at all elements of the ice. And I think that's what made this series so fun to watch. It was. And I mean, I, I do quickly want to talk about that seventh game because that was a game where... I said to somebody at work, I says, if the New York Islanders were an NFL quarterback, they would have been pulled after the third turnover. Because there were there was there were so many passes that the Islanders made, where they either noodle armed it or they tipped off a guy or the Tampa Bay Lightning saw it coming and just beelined right for it, and intercepted it. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, somewhere around Game Five, you can tell that Tampa's D got way more engaged, and that was really tough for the Islanders to adjust to. And it was a really good cho- coaching adjustment by John Cooper. Because Tampa has, like, their defensemen are mobile and they're big. Like, their top line is uh, Hedman and Mc- could be Hedman and McDonough, could be Hedman and Sergachev, or you could just put Jan Ruder or Savard on there and move Cernak around. Like, they have options that, and those guys are big and they're mobile. So they can move up, move down. They've got the hands to intercept pucks. So, like, I think that's one of the things that makes Tampa as scary as they are, is, like, not only are their forwards very good at what they do, the defense can play pretty much any style of defense it wants. It's very adaptable because it's very skilled. And it has the size to back it up. Well, and we also can't forget for Tampa Bay that a huge compliment for the back end really has to be the talent up front. And, you know, and we talk about, you know, the Eric Cernax, the Stamp Kosas, guys like that. And I know we've talked about uh, Braden Point had a fantastic series, but Nikita Kucherov with nine assists. I, it's often weird for a guy who didn't score a goal in the series 
that's still pretty impressive, man. Nine assists. But I think for me, when I talk about Kucherov, the injury he suffered in Game 6. I want to get your thoughts on that cross-check. I think it was... It's a hit that shouldn't have happened. And I'm amazed that he came back from that seventh game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's incredible. But, yeah, that cross-check has no place in hockey. And it's another one of those situations where I'm surprised the league, the league didn't come back for supplemental, supplementary discipline on that one. So, I have a couple more notes I want to make on this series. And one kind of cool thing that the Islanders did after Game 6... With them knowing potentially this was going to be the final game at Nassau Coliseum, they decided to throw beer cans on the ice. Nice. In tribute to Fort Never Lose. And I watched that, and I'm just like, you know, I've never been to Long Island. I've never been to New Jersey. But I imagine that part of the United States, that's a very, very common thing in show of tribute. It's to throw a beer can or something on the ice. It definitely feels like a New Jersey thing to do, you know? It does. Actually, sorry, can I tell you a quick story? I was on my way home from work the other day, and I was driving across the bridge in Duncan, and there was somebody driving a Buick, like a early, like late 90s, early 2000s Buick, with a New Jersey license plate. Two thoughts went through my mind. Was number one, was the show The Sopranos? Because it looked like a, sh- a car right from that show. But also, yep. if you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Marge was driving the Canyon Arrow and got road rage, and she's like go- weaving through traffic, and she goes, oh, go back to New Jersey. <laughs> and I guess the other comp, the last comment I want to make here, and I don't know if you saw this during one of the broadcasts, was... The comments made by Stan Fisher. Now, for those who don't know, Stan Fisher is a hockey historian. He covered the New York Islanders for a long time. And he actually caused an uproar with comments that he made regarding the 1980s Edmonton Oilers. And I didn't oh I didn't get a chance to really watch the whole thing. I saw kind of saw bits and pieces of it. From what I could piece together, his comment was about how the New York Islanders were the better dynasty over Edmonton. Because the Oilers didn't win three straight in the mid-80s. Now, that comment wasn't the one that caused the uproar. The one what he made was his comment regarding the Calgary Flames of that time. Because basically he made the comment that says, Oh, you know, if the Oilers were a better dynasty, they would have beaten those lowly Calgary Flames or whatever the comment he made. And I watched that part and I'm like, Well, number one, that's a total bullshit comment because if you look at the flames of the 80s that was a legit good team but they had the misfortune of playing in the same conference and same division as Wayne Gretzky same with the Winnipeg Jets of the 80s if you go back and look at some of them who'd they have to face Gretzky and Calgary well think about it as soon as Calgary was out of the division Calgary wins, a, sorry, as soon as Gretzky's out of the division, Calgary wins a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And we also can't forget that when Gretzky left the division, the Oilers, again, didn't win a third straight cup because Gretzky's the guy that knocked them out in 89. But I think, yeah. but here's the thing, I think for me, Tim, is that um, I don't disagree with Stan Fisher's comment regarding the Islanders' dynasty because 
I've mentioned this here on the show that I think the 80s New York Islanders, in my personal opinion, the greatest dynasty in hockey. This is no disrespect to the 50s Habs, the 70s Habs, the 80s Oilers, or the 90s Red Wing teams. But here's my argument. Yes, the 50s Montreal Canadiens won five straight cups. They only had to win two playoff series. The New York Islanders won four straight. In playoffs years, you had to win four series. And I know that if you watched, there was a documentary I think ESPN did on John Spanos, the guy who quote unquote owned the Islanders in the eight in the nineties, and the guy who narrated the documentary mentioned that if the eighties Islanders had played in the time of the fifties Habs, they would have won nine straight. Like it's it's nuts. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever really seen anything like it. And what's insane is uh, Tampa, if they win this year, will be only the second team in the salary cap era to win back-to-back cups. Yeah. Let alone four. And if you want to hear something crazy, Tim, they will only be the third team in our lifetime to win back-to-back. Because we were both born in 92. Just think about it. There's only three teams that did it. The 97 and 98 Detroit Red Wings. The 16-17 Pittsburgh Penguins. And the 2020, potentially 2021, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Uh, One more thing I want to comment on. Lou Lamorello has done a very good job with his deadline pickups. This year, with uh, Kyle Palmieri really slotting in during the playoffs, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot from last year, and Travis Zajac was honestly on the right side of the ice pretty much the whole time. They looked... They have looked fantastic as guys who could slot in, play hard, play well, and uh, Pajot stuck around. So, I think... He's gone and shown us that the deadline is still a great place to fill out your team. Yeah, as proven by Montreal and as proven by the Islanders. And even Tampa Bay last year where they picked up Barkley Goodrow and everyone's like, lol, it's a first for Barkley Goodrow. He's filled in pretty well. Savard has played well for Tampa as well. So it's like, these are all teams that have made good pickups at the deadline. Did they, didn't they pick up As Patrick a, Maroon and, in the deadline too, or did they sign him? I think it was a signing. Okay. Yeah, so it's like the good teams are able to find great players at the deadline. And uh, honestly, even Boston with the Taylor Hall swindle, that worked out so good for them. So I am glad to see that trade. The trade deadline this year yielded a lot of fruit, with the exception of the Maple Leafs. Yeah. yeah. God, did they look stupid. Oh, yeah. God. Without question, though, Tim. So, Tim, it's hard to believe that we are already at the point of the episode where we got one more thing to talk about. The Stanley Cup 
finals. Now, we got to give our predictions. But before we do that, Tim, let's look at the two teams who made the Stanley Cup finals. The number one seed, Tampa Bay Lightning, versus the number four seed, Montreal Canadiens. Now, this is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2015, which Tampa Bay ended up winning. This is going to be Montreal's first Stanley Cup final berth since 1993. And the record 36th overall. For Tampa Bay, this is going to be their second straight cup final appearance and their fourth in franchise history. So for predictions, I'm going to go Tampa Bay back-to-back champs in five games. In five? Honestly, Montreal hasn't looked... So I watched the first period of the Montreal tank game before we started recording and Montreal didn't look too out of sorts but you can definitely tell that Tampa's the better team I think Carey Price steals at least two games so I'm going to put I'm going to put it at Tampa and seven Tampa and seven okay okay because I definitely think Tampa Bay is the better team they're they're keyed in for their repeat and Vasilevsky has been probably the best goaltender this year. Oh, without question. I, and, I mean, you look at Tampa Bay's depth just throughout the lineup, and we've been talking about this this whole episode. Like, they legit have a top six that is legit and elite. They have a bottom six that can kill you. They have the best defenseman in the game in Victor Hedman. They have one of the top three goalies in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. But for Montreal, I mean, I think for myself, they have to rely more on just Carey Price, and Caulfield and Suzuki carrying this team. Like, everybody's got to step up huge if they even want a chance to compete in this series, for my, myself. Yeah. No, I definitely see that. And uh, Tampa Bay is a scary, strong team. And I think in your description, you might have even been selling them a bit short. And that's kind of a crazy thing to say, eh? Yeah. It's going to be good hockey. It is going to be good hockey. And you know what? The fact that this is the first time since 2011 that we've had a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup Finals is honestly mind-boggling. And what's kind of insane is this is the first time since the year we were born that the Montreal Canadiens, the team with the most Stanley Cups to their name, has been in the Cup Final. You know what's also crazy, Tim? The last time the Montreal Canadiens were in the Stanley Cup Finals, the Tampa Bay Lightning were an expansion team. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's legit going to be a great series of hockey. I can't wait to watch it. And the next time that you and I get together, we're going to be doing some game recaps finally. You know, it's only been how many months now that we've been doing them? Almost two? Oh, three. Oh, no, oh, two, yeah. Yeah, since played games in May. Yeah, it's only been two. Yeah. yeah, there were games in... Uh... Honestly, I can't wait I to guess do here's the game the thing. Since we both put our money on Tampa, we have to put our money on where our mouth is. What do we do if Montreal wins? Hmm... I guess we could ask Chris Katugas for a charity of his choice and we could each put 50 bucks in. That's true. 
That is true, Tim. Or yeah. I guess we could give 50 bucks to the Habs Foundation. Yes. Yes, we could definitely do that. Yeah, you and I can both get $50 to the Montreal Charity Foundation. Yeah. I like it. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on these playoff series before we head off into the close? Until next time? Nope. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording up for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on National Podcast Network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honeybadger. I'm at Great White Gipster, gr 8 W-Y-T-E, Gipster. If you want to choose an email to give your thoughts on our Stanley Cup Finals predictions or you want to give a quick recap of your own from the third round, shoot us an email. ThirdRoundPlugSensCast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jackson. Go, Sands, guys.